Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Happy Sunday. Thanks for joining us uh, this week. Uh, We're so glad that you're with us, that you're you're tracking along with us. We know that people are tuning in, uh, not just in Nashville, but all over the world. So thank you so much. We welcome you today uh, to our latest edition of Nashville Vineyard Live. Um, We're going to be, guess what, talking in the book of John today. We're going through that. And so we're going to be in John 8. I think it's 58, but I'll, I'll know when I open my Bible. If you want to start getting there, we're going to go there as soon as we pray. All right, so let's pray and invite the Lord uh, to illuminate uh, what he's saying to us today. So, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity uh, to, to look into and, and live and learn what it is that you are saying to us through your scripture. And thank you for this wonderful book, the Gospel of John. What a gift. Father, I ask that you send your spirit to us, to fill us to the full, to overflowing, to give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is you have for us today. We ask these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about guess what? Jesus. Uh, the Gospel of John is the story of Jesus. This is this is the story of how uh, Jesus came into the world, how he was before the world was in existence. John talks about that in the very first part of it, and and the story of God stepping into our story in, in the person and works of Jesus, and how then we interact with that, how that affects us, how the Gospel of of Jesus affects us. We talked about this last week. What does the gospel of the kingdom mean? And so today we come to uh, an interesting passage that I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, talking through. And so we're going to be uh, talking through some things that um, may be a little bit different, maybe a little bit, uh, you, you, your toes might be stepped on, but you can always just just swipe on by if, you, if you'd like. Uh, but this is what I believe the Lord is wanting to draw out today. Uh, in our in our scripture, so we're going to be in John chapter eight. Yeah, uh, key verse is verse fifty-eight, but we'll be um, I'll start reading here uh, in uh, in verse forty-eight and read down through fifty-eight. So he says this. Then the Jews answered and said to him, "Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon?" And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and what you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets who are dead, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, 
If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So what's going on here? Okay, so the Jews are challenging Jesus. Who are you? You know, you're talking with authority. You're doing some pretty crazy stuff. Like, tell us what's going on. The consensus is that he's actually empowered by Satan because they don't understand what's going on. And so they're saying, you know, you, you have a demon. This is how you're doing some of these tricks. You're like a sorcerer. And Jesus is challenging back and pushing back. And, and he's telling them, like, you, you don't get it. I know, you know, the father. You don't know the father. I know that whoever hears my words will have everlasting life. And so this this makes them recoil. And, and so they're, they're wondering, what do you mean? Like, Abraham's dead. David's dead. The prophets are dead. And you're saying you're something special? And somehow your, your words are, are somehow more special than Abraham or the prophets or David or any number of the people uh, that came before them? And he says, yeah. And so then they say, so he says, you know, Abraham, when he saw my day, he rejoiced. And they, and they, they don't understand. And they say to him, like, you're, you're, you're like not even 50. How do you know Abraham? You know, thousands of years ago. And Jesus makes this claim. And it's this claim that causes them to want to murder him. They pick up stones to murder him. Okay. And he says, before Abraham was, I am and they reach down and they say this is too far now you've gone too far and they pick up rocks to kill him so why that's weird right like we should think boy that seems like a strange thing to want to kill someone for well what what they know what they have memorized what, what their their whole um story their 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 racial history their national history everything is embodied in you guessed it, the Exodus story. We've been talking about the Exodus story throughout this gospel because the Exodus story is our, is our foreshadowing, it is our prophetic, and it is our historic look in the natural of what Jesus is doing in the spiritual. And the spiritual realm is always more significant and more impactful and more real than the natural realm that we see here. Because this realm is temporal and the spiritual realm is eternal. And, and if you're going to give weight to something, then, then the thing that has always been and will always be, like there's more weight in that than the thing that um, was created and is going to be destroyed one day. So here is uh, these people wrapped in this history I mean, I mean, they're permeated, they're marinated in 
in this story. They, they, their, their whole year is structured around celebrating this story, the Passover, the Feast of Booths. I mean, we've talked about these things, right? And it's all around the story of Exodus. And so these people know this Exodus story. It was the story of their deliverance, the story of their freedom. And so in that context, Jesus steps in. He knows that too. And he says to them these key words. He said, before Abraham, I am. Now, what is he saying and where is he saying it? Well, he's drawing in their minds, and this is where they, they connect in the correct place. And they reach down and they say, too far, man. You've gone too far. And so Jesus is actually pulling on Exodus chapter 3. And Exodus chapter 3, Moses has already been, you know, he's escaped Egypt for killing uh, the uh, the Egyptian uh, slave master. Um He's, he's ran, he's in, he's in the wilderness, he's married, got a family, tending to some sheep, looks across, there's a bush that's on fire, but it, it's not consumed. He thinks that's odd, and he goes uh, to the bush. This is the story of Moses encountering the burning bush. And so in this story, we'll pick up at uh, Exodus chapter 3, we'll start at verse 1. It says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, and the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? And so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off of your feet, for this place where you stand is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. This is verse nine. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children out of Israel, out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that, you have, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. 
And moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord your God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you, and this is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. God is telling Moses, Who do you say sent you? You say, I am. The God of all generations. The God of everything. See, Moses was in an Egyptian context. The people of Israel were in an Egyptian context. And so in an Egyptian context, there's a lot of different gods. There's the sun god and the moon god and whatever kind of god. Each god had a function. Each god had a history. Each god had an origin story. Each god had a name. And so what he's wanting to know is like, which one of those gods? What was it? You know, was it Ra? Um, you know, was it the other ones? Who was it? And God takes that and he says, look, those gods have nothing on me. You tell them that I am preexistent, was, is, is to come. That's what the name uh, suggests. The God that was in the past, the God that is now, and the God that has yet to come. So he's everything all-encompassing. This is God. And so God tells Moses his name. And Moses goes back to the people and he and he recounts the name and he says this will be the sign this will be a memorial to all generations and so fast forward all the way to the people uh, that are standing in that place where Jesus says this and he utters that phrase the people remember Exodus 3 and he, they remember that this is what God has said that God has named himself the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob he has named himself, I am. And so Jesus then comes in and he says, you understand that before Abraham, I am. And Jesus is drawing that context because here's, here's what it says. I mean, this is what God says about the people, right? He says, he says, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of Egypt and to bring them up to the land. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because they're taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And God is talking about himself as the deliverer, the one that's bringing freedom to captives. We remember that in Luke, what is it, chapter 4, yeah, chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus stands up in the temple, right? And he's recounting this passage from Isaiah. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to recover sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes are in the Son of God were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's the same language that's used in Exodus 3. God has stepped in to the story and has seen the oppression of his people. And now he has decided to deliver them from the oppressor. He did it in Exodus and he's doing it now in John. And Jesus is saying, I am that one. Like, who am I? What authority do I have? I am. That's who authority it's the same story because Jesus is the same God. He is God. He, he is the only way to the Father. And Jesus is proclaiming right now, 
right in this story, there's no difference. I am who I say I am. And these words carry authority and they carry power. Look at this. The end of the, uh, the Gospel of John. John chapter 18. These words come up again. And he says this. He's in the garden. He's getting ready to be captive, taken to the cross. The fulfillment, the great day of the Lord is at hand. And it says this, Therefore, these people, all the soldiers, the centurion guards, and all of that, the troops that Judas has brought, Jesus says, uh, Therefore, knowing all things, this is verse four, eighteen, chapter 18, verse 4, that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Now look what Jesus said. Jesus says to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. Now look at this, verse 6. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. That's pretty language. But what it means is they were swept off their feet and they were slammed to the ground when Jesus uttered the name I am. Jesus is that God. And so like preparing for today and, and what is the Lord wanting to say, I felt so strongly that we need to understand, we need to have reverence for, and we need to, we need to grasp the idea that the same Jesus that we worship, that we sing songs to, that, that we talk about, about how good and wonderful and merciful and full of grace he is, that same Jesus is also the same Jesus who, who is also the same God who, whose very name shatters everything. Jesus is not some cuddly Santa Claus figure set to give us whatever we want. Jesus is the God of creation, the one that was, that is, and is to come. And he does not need to be taken lightly. And because so often we, we're, we're so captivated by the story, and we are, it's an incredible story, the story of love and mercy and compassion and the little children coming to him and sitting on his knee. And, and because of all of those things, we see Jesus sometimes only in that light. He is a million percent that. He, he is completely compassionate and loving and merciful. I mean, he is those things. But he is also the same God that says, I am. I am the deliverer. I am the king of kings. I am the one who is and is to come. That the very name shatters whole troops of people. Just the utterance of it. He is that one. And, and we take Jesus so many times. And I, I, I see this so many times. We take him too lightly. We're cavalier with our Savior. And we and we 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 look at him and we think of him like some sort of uh, warm and fuzzy, um, meek and mild and um, gaunt and sometimes even powerless figure uh, that that has has come uh, to do some really great things. But Jesus, the one that he says that he is, the very name carries power. The very name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether it wants to or not. 
Remember, we see in the story uh, of Revelation, John, who, who people believe wrote this as well, is writing the book of Revelation. He's sitting there. Now, John is the beloved. He, he's like, like Jesus' favorite. Like, you know, they had a great bond. And so he, you know, arguably maybe the closest to, to Jesus when he was there. And, he, and he's sitting on the Isle of Patmos in exile. And, and he's praying and he's in the spirit and Jesus comes to him. And when Jesus, his friend, the one that he loves, the one that he's closest to, when he comes to him, what happens? John sees him, falls to his face like a dead man. Why? Because he sees that divinity. He sees that eternality. He sees that power and that authority that, that surpasses everything else. Jesus is, is not only more loving than you think he is, he's more holier than you think he is. And he's not only more gracious than you think he is, but he is more powerful than you think he is. And not only is he more merciful than you think he is, but he is holier, other, completely set apart, and has more authority over everything else than you think he is. And, and, and John sees that Jesus. He's seen the other Jesus where he reclined on his chest and, and was sitting there and, and all of that sort. He sees that Jesus. But then he sees the glorified coming King Jesus. And when he sees that Jesus, same Jesus, just two different attributes, two different lenses. When he sees that one, he doesn't recline on his chest. He falls on his face because he has surely seen God. And just like Moses, he believes he will die because what he is beholding is too much. It, it, it's, it's more than anything that he can think of. And so he's beholding the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we've been given access. We, we've been given uh, rights. He calls us sons and daughters. Those are true and amazing things. But I will tell you this. When you see Jesus, you will experience a holy terror that will come over you. Because if he reveals himself in that way, he is all supreme. And, and he is the same God that was revealed to Moses in that bush. The same God who wrote the Ten Commandments. We're going to go there. And so in the Ten Commandments, where he delivers them to Moses... He starts it off like this. Imagine Jesus saying this. We, we, we have him a lot of times separated from this God of the Old Testament. Those are two different things in our heads. But imagine Jesus declaring this because he did. Later on in the gospel, he says this. But, it, but in Exodus, it's God saying this to Moses. And he said in Exodus chapter 20, where he's delivering the Ten Commandments. The first one. I am the Lord your God. I am. Remember, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to serve them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, 
for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Those are some really intense words. He is a jealous God. And he's commanding us. Jesus is too, because later he was asked, which one's the greatest? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Remember that? Well, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, it means you will have no other gods before me. You will not worship anything else before me. You, you, you will not bow to anything else before me. It says, uh, you will not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You will not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. The same Jesus who utters the words, I am, and a legion of soldiers falls because those words were uttered to Moses at the bush. And he said, who is delivering these people from Egypt? You tell them I am. That same God represented in the bush. We know the bush isn't God. That same God in Jesus says the same thing. And Jesus now is the image of the invisible God. And he has been exalted and is ruling on the throne. And that same Jesus is the one that, that we call you to repent to every week, that we say we need to bow our knee to every week, because that Jesus is merciful and kind and compassionate and gracious and all of those things, but he is jealously after you. He wants everything you have. You do not worship anything other than Jesus. Now, we, we kind of know that in our brains, but and we've talked about this in a multiple of ways about how we have idols of self and idols of money and idols of success and all of that sort of stuff. Like, we've talked about that, I, I feel like, till I'm blue in the face, because I need to hear that, like, a million times a day. And that's true. And that's what this is talking about. But there's also other things that this is talking about. And, you know, as a pastor of, of a church, um, I hear and see all kinds of things that maybe, you know, haven't floated across your desk yet. And there's a, there's a couple of things that I'm seeing and hearing that it just, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not in the book. Um, there, there are people that proclaim the name of Jesus, that say that they believe in Jesus, um, but they're also grabbing other things. Uh, they're looking to things like astrology um, to, 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 to help them because God created the stars. They're looking to things like, uh, like creation um, to, to, to say, to speak to them and to help guide them because, you know, God created those and Jesus is in all things, right? And Jesus is holding everything together. Um, yeah, I understand a little bit of what you're saying, but let me caution you that um, that is heresy. It is false. Uh, it is it is blasphemy against the name of Jesus. And he is a jealous God and you will have no other ones before him or in addition to or alongside. And so the same way that I would tell you, quit worshiping fame, quit worshiping success, quit worshiping money. I would also say things to you like quit worshiping the stars, quit worshiping um, all these other things. Uh, don't, don't put your hope in any created things. 
Uh, Jesus is not in uh, the tree. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is not in the stars. He is on the throne. And, and you need to have an understanding of when you enter into this relationship with Jesus, like when if, you, if you've chosen to bow your knee to Jesus, and then you begin to add on and tack on other things into this and give your time and give your affection and give your worship and give all that things to you. It ain't going to end great for you because he is jealous for you. And we'll sing that song, right? He's jealous for me. Love like a hurricane. I am a tree. And oh boy, isn't that great? Yeah, that's great. But, but it says other things after that. There's consequences that he will... He will unravel if, if we take this lightly. And so Jesus deserves everything. And if you have found yourself caught up in, into some sort of pseudo-spiritual, uh, pseudo-Christian um, practices, you need to stop. Just the same way that if you're looking at porn or if you're doing whatever, I would tell you, stop it. Because what you are doing is an abomination to Jesus. It is bringing dishonor to the name above all names. And so if you have been dabbling into that, if you have thought, well, that, that's pretty neat, you know, and, and have been doing some of those things, luckily, Jesus is more kind and more gracious and more merciful and more compassionate and, and, and more loving than anything we could ever imagine. That's the good news. But... He is also that same God that says, I am a jealous God and you will have no one before me. And he is that same God that appears to John in Patmos and John falls to his face like a dead man because he can't handle it. He wasn't ready for it. And I will tell you, American Western church, most of us ain't ready for Jesus. If you see Jesus, you too would fall to your face like a dead man. Because that Jesus that reigns and rules supreme looks probably different than some, you know, emaciated, Caucasian, long-haired, brown-eyed Jesus that you've pictured from, from the stories of your childhood. And so, we need not approach him casually or cavalierly. We need to have the fear of the Lord in us. Because he is good, but he is God. And we will be with him. And we will reign with him. All of those wonderful things. But you should not take that lightly. If you see Jesus, and not to get too weird, but for some reason I've, I've been fortunate enough to see him a few times. And there's been times when I've seen his form, and it is like unbelievably loving and compassionate and you can't can't look away it's just the most incredible thing you've ever witnessed but there's been other times where he's revealed himself to me like literally and i thought i was going to die because i just i, I knew i wasn't worthy to be in his presence and I, I don't say those things casually or often but i am hearing stories of people who probably, because they don't know any better, probably because no one's ever told them, they, they are doing things that are abomination to his name. And they are looking to his created things instead of the creator. And, and they're doing that in, in a multiple of ways, uh, through, through, through relationships on earth, 
um, through through success, fame, notoriety, all those things, but also through things like astrology and other spiritual practices. And, and they're taking in some of the Hindu practices and they're taking in some of these practices and some of this, you know, this, the new, new age spiritualism practices. And they're saying, well, God is in all things and he created all things. And listen, there's one way to the Father. One. And his name is Jesus. And he is jealous and will have no other ones before him, alongside him, with him. There is not many ways to God. Let me just say that clearly. There is only one. So <laughs> this is why we say you have a decision. I mean, this is why I do this. If there were many ways, I'd be playing golf and doing something else. There's one way. And I'm here to tell you that he is a good, loving God. But you need to bow your knee to him, give your whole life to him, Submit your whole self to him. Lay your life down. Die to yourself. Carry your cross, your torture device, and follow him and him alone. And it will be wonderful. And it will be amazing. And it will be hard. But at the end of the day, you will be with the only king of kings and lord of lords. I'm not trying to scare the hell out of you, as they say. No way. That doesn't work. But what I am doing is I am bringing a warning to those of you who find yourself dabbling with other practices, other kinds of religions, uh, other kinds of spiritualities. And lovingly, let me say that uh, this is grace that you're hearing this and you need to repent and ask forgiveness. Probably get some deliverance. We can schedule that. And, uh, and then let's get back to it. And let's get back with hanging out with the only King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay? All right. Next week, we'll talk about flowers or something fun. All right. How Jesus is going to make you rich. I don't know. He's not. But people like to hear that. <laughs> they don't like to hear this. So I'm sorry. If you're still watching, thanks for hanging out. We hope to see you uh, right back here. Uh, next week or in our home churches. I'm going to pray us out, okay? And if, if you've found yourself dealing with any of this, can you just pray along with me? This is a kind of a guide. All right. Jesus, we come to you broken. We come to you unknown. We come to you uh, in, our, in our sorrows, and we repent of not seeing you as who you are. We repent of not giving you your due. We repent of having anything else beside you, alongside you, with you, uh, looking to anything but you, anyone but you. Forgive us. Become real in our eyes. May we see your, your character. May we see your supremacy. May we see your holiness and your glory and your kindness and your lovingness and your graciousness. May we see all of these things so that we can give all of ourselves to you. We bless your name, Jesus. We honor your name. May we receive the spirit of the fear of the Lord so that we can walk humbly and reverently with you. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. We love you. There's no condemnation in any of this, but there are, there are things that we must we must address. So 
All right. <laughs> we'll see you right back here, maybe, uh, next week if you decide to. All right, we love you. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.